want to start with a story this morning, a true story. I'm going to change her name just to protect her identity a little bit. But um, I have a friend who I've known for probably 10, 15 years. And when she was 17 years old, she was a good kid, went to a good Christian school, came from a good Christian family, had a good uh, future ahead of her. She was actually quite an athlete, was hoping to get a scholarship at a college, had everything going for her in so many ways. But one night she made one very poor, unwise decision, had sex with her boyfriend and got pregnant. And her entire world changed. Uh, the school that she attended, when they found out she was pregnant, they kicked her out, said she was a bad example to the other students, and they were going to use some tough love on her. Her dad told her that when, uh, before the baby came, that she was going to be uh, moved out of the home, home as well, that he didn't want her in the house anymore. Uh, her friends rejected her. Uh, her church treated her like she was a harlot. Not a pretty picture. Not one of the more finer moments for what I would call the Christian church the way they treated her. And uh, she was very, very, very uh, depressed about it. Obviously, uh, you can understand, her, everything changed for her. And it was one bad decision in one night, and her whole world was turned upside down. In fact, at one point, she was contemplating suicide after the baby came. She was gonna give the baby up for adoption. She thought, I'm just gonna end my life. Now, I'm gonna finish with how Sarah's story uh, concluded at the end of our talk today. But most of you, maybe some of you can relate to that, or you've heard the stories like that. But even if you've not felt hopeless um, in a situation quite that dramatic, at some point in your life, you have felt hopeless. You faced, faced a situation that discouraged you. Maybe it was bigger than you. It might have made you angry, might have made you depressed, a whole range of emotions. But th things seemed out of control, and because of that, you felt hopeless. And I don't know where you're at right now. And I, I don't know what's going on in your life today. Um, and I, if you're hopeless, I'm glad you're here. Maybe you've been in that situation, something before. Uh, I, you will probably face some challenging things in the future. And so this series we're starting today is for all of us, and it's called Hope Rising. And it's something that I want to walk us through over the next six weeks that will encourage you and, and, and bless you, and hopefully it will be a great blessing to others as well. Today we'll be in Matthew chapter 14. If you've got your Bible, your Bible app, open to Matthew the 14th chapter, and we're going to be in part one of our series today. And today I'm going to talk about life is hard, but... Again, maybe you're not struggling with something quite as earth-shattering as an unwanted pregnancy or cancer or divorce or what have you. But life on this side of eternity, eternity is troublesome at times. If you've lived longer than about eh, three years, you've already figured that out, that life is difficult. And you may find that, situ that's, that statement annoying. Maybe you don't want to think about it. Uh, you might be in the midst of something right now, and the last thing you want to talk about or think about is hardship. Or maybe uh, you're in denial. That's not a good thing, by the way, uh, to be in denial. What hardship? I'm fine. Or perhaps you have been taught or told by somebody else just to positively confess yourself out of your situation. Well, for the record, I want you to understand coming out of this today that I am not a pessimist. I am not a fatalist. I am, however, a realist. And after many decades on uh, planet Earth, I've discovered that life is hard. Life really is hard sometimes. And by the way, Jesus agrees with me. Jesus said this in John 16, In this world, you will have trouble. And I imagine when the disciples heard that, they're thinking, well, thanks for the good news, Jesus. But Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't finish there. He says, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus was not one of those preachers who just would slap a happy face, a happy sticker on people's problems. He just wasn't that guy. And neither am I. But we need to learn how to refocus, to take a bigger, different look at our situation and remember that we're not alone whatever we face. Life isn't always easy. Sometimes, occasionally, our dreams become nightmares. 
Sometimes the things that we dreamt about become our worst experience. Sometimes our hopes get demolished like a wrecking ball taken to, taken to a building. And man, we just watch things just go fall apart right before our very eyes. Sometimes we zig right and life zags left. And I hate it when that happens, but that's the reality we all face. And when that happens, you've got a few options. You can give up, not a good one. You can throw up, not a good one either. You can suck it up. You can, you know, uh, deny what's going on. You can, I guess deny up if I wanted to keep stick with it. Or, or you can look up. And I want to suggest to you that looking up is best. And by that I mean refocusing on a higher reality than whatever you're presently facing right now. Now, <laughs> I know that some of you are thinking, oh man, he's, if he's, he's just going to go religious on me today and I, I don't want to hear it. That looking up thing, that I've heard this before. Listen, I promise you I'm not going to give you any uh, half-hearted religious cliches today. But I do believe that looking up is the best option. That when we decide to fix our eyes on Jesus, then our circumstances and situation may not change. But where you put your, your focus matters. It matters a lot. Where you put your attention matters a lot. In fact, I want you just to humor me for a second. Now, if, if we don't all do this, I'm going to feel really dumb. So for my sake, if nothing else, I want you to take your hand, and I want you to put it. Everybody, come on. Put your hand about five inches out in front of your face. I'm, I'm watching. Are you doing, hand out about five inches in front of your face. Now I want you to stare at your hand. Look at your hand. Now besides the fact that you're probably going cross-eyed right now, you really, all you see is what your hand. You look, you think, wow, that really needs to be washed or what have you. Now I want you to look beyond you. Keep the hand there in your face, but look beyond it. Look at me. Okay, you guys did good. Thank you. The point of that little exercise, as silly as it is, is that where you put your focus and attention matters. Did you notice that when your hand is in your face and you focus on that, you don't see anything else? Everything else is a blur behind you. But when you choose to look beyond that, my hand's right in my face, but I choose to look beyond it and I can see you. Let me say it again. Looking up or focusing our attention on Jesus does not mean we just slap a happy sticker on our problem. It doesn't mean that we just say, quote, some memorized prayer to the heavens that we think are silent anyhow. And it's not, by no means am I suggesting that you just learn to become a better overcomer. Sometimes I have a little bit of a problem with that word. Looking up means choosing to see beyond the struggle that's in your face right now. Let me clarify, looking up means choosing to look beyond that thing, whatever it is that's in your face right now. So here's the big idea today. When life is hard, Instead of getting cross-eyed, which happens when you focus on that thing right in your face. Instead of getting cross-eyed, confused, angry, or depressed, I want to encourage you to make a conscious decision to fix your soul on the one, that would be Jesus, on the one who loves you more than his own life. To look beyond that thing and to see him. The Apostle Paul, who faced some incredibly hard circumstances and a lot of challenging situations, he said this in 2 Corinthians 4.18. He said, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says, we fix, we make a choice to fix our eyes not on that thing that's right in our face, but on what is unseen, on the eternal. And I would suggest on the one who is with us always. Paul understood that whatever's happening right now, that right now is not the end of your story. Listen, some of you need to hear that. Maybe you're online, you're watching right now, and I, you need to hear this words. Whatever you're in right now, as difficult and challenging and hard as it may be, that does not have to be the end of your story. All right, I just turn to Matthew 14. Let's pick it up verse 22. I'll read 22 through 32 in Matthew chapter 14. 
It's one of my favorite stories. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Jesus had heard bad news about John the Baptist who just had been beheaded. They'd fed well over five, well, 5,000 men, so probably eight, nine, 10, 12,000 people. They're exhausted, they're tired, and Jesus told the guys, get in the boat and go across the lake. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, the disciples, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, while he was there alone, uh, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. You would be too. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28. Gotta love Peter. I love this guy. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Let's go, Pete. Come on. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came forward uh, toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately. By the way, it's the third time that word's used in this passage. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And it says that they fell at their feet. They, they huddled on that boat at their feet before Jesus said, truly you are the Son of God. I love this story. It's one of my favorites. And there are a few things I want you to consider with me today. Number one, your outline. It's backside of your bullet if you want to take notes. Number one, when you follow Jesus, you will experience storms. Woohoo! You're like, I'm so glad you told me that. I, what? Yeah, when you follow Jesus, you will experience storms. The disciples were in the midst of that storm. Don't miss this because Jesus sent them out there. They, they were in complete and total obedience to Jesus. They left and went out on that lake because Jesus told them to do so. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Some people, and I, I, I always scratch my head, some people have this crazy idea that being a Christ follower means a life of sunshine and bliss and happiness. It's balloons and puppy dogs for everybody. We get this, I don't know where we get that idea from. Too often people then face hardships and they give up on God. God, I thought you were going to fix all my problems. I thought you were going to make my life easy. I thought, and when it hits the fan, they walk away from him. They get angry at God because they feel let down. Or they get discouraged. Maybe they're discouraged by their situation. Maybe because they think they deserve it. They're discouraged by their own sin. Whatever the case is, too often we get discouraged and we forget storms happen. You can quote me. Storms happen. They just do. And sometimes they happen because we are precisely where God wants us to be. He's either sent us there or he's at least allowed that storm to come into our lives. Now, how many of you just get all warm and fuzzy when you hear that? Yeah, nobody's raising their hands. Of course not. I, we don't like that reality, but the very fact is, and I've said this 10,000 times, I'll say 10,000 times more, God is always more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And he's going to do something in you and through you that will often take you right into or through a storm. Following Jesus doesn't mean you're going to live a storm-free life. I promise you that does not what, that's not what it means. Here's the second thing. Number two, when life is hard, listen for Jesus and choose courage. When life is hard, and it will be at times, listen for Jesus and choose courage. Verse 25 says, shortly after dawn, so somewhere between, you know, they say maybe 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in the morning, Walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Somebody screamed out to the ghost. Can you just see these guys? I mean, you got to see the picture, right? They're on a boat, 
And Matthew is not a fisherman, so I think he's blowing chunks over the side. You know, it's, it's, you know he's a tax guy. He's like, he doesn't like water. And, and it's stormy and it's windy and they're struggling and they're, they're not, they're probably angry. You know, they, 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 they're, they're really frustrated in the situation right now. And then somebody, who knows who, sees something in the distance and they go, it's a ghost! And at that moment, I think these guys are, you know, they're doing as fast as they can. They're trying to get out of this thing. And then Jesus says, guys, immediately, it says, that's the second time, immediately he says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. That, it is I, uh, actually, the, the, the literal translation is I am. It's I am is here. It's back to Exodus 3 when God showed up to Moses in a bush. But he, Jesus saying, guys, chill. Boom, the paraphrase version, chill. It's me. Have some courage. It's going to be okay. I'm with you. Again, the boat was considerable distance from shore. Uh, Mark's account says they may have been like three miles away. And Jesus, and you know, don't you wonder how Jesus strolled on this lake? I don't think he was like this bubble. You know, I don't think he's like completely dry. I think he looked like a wet rat. You know, he's, he's got to deal with the wind and the waves. And, and I don't think he just kind of hovered. I don't think it was a hovercraft thing. I think Jesus is walking up and down over these waves. And, and he doesn't look real good. And, but they see him and they freak out. And what should have been, here's the point. What should have been a pretty easy journey for these guys. I mean, they've been, some of the fishermen have been out Lake Sea of Galilee many, many times before. Should have been easy. It turned out to be anything but. And somebody yells, Ghost. And I love, again, verse 27, immediately. Second time that, that word's used. Immediately, Jesus said, take courage. Now, I don't think Jesus was messing with these guys. He wasn't um, trying to freak them out. He wasn't angry at them for being afraid. He said, it's okay, I understand. Just, it's all right. See, part of the things, I, one of the things I want you to hear today is that the key to crisis control is Christ control. The key to really dealing with the situation you're in is believing that Jesus is in control. That's why he said, take courage. And it's not, I've got this, you're okay. Franklin Delano Roosevelt once said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. And I would say more than something, that someone is more important than fear. So if you're terrified and you're freaking out, Jesus says, it's okay. Listen for his voice and remember who is coming toward you. Choose courage. Number three, here's the third thing. When Jesus asks you to get out of the boat, do so even if the conditions are not all that good. When Jesus asks you to get out of the boat, do so even if the storm is still raging. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come. <laughs> I, and I, I think, I, I, we don't know, but I'm pretty sure Jesus got a smile on his face. <laughs> this is gonna be good. Come on, Pete. Come on, let's do this. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came towards Jesus. But here's what I want you to see. Listen, it was still storming. You read on, it, it, did, it did not stop and get calm until Peter and Jesus are together on the boat. When Peter stepped out of that boat and he's over the edge and he's stepping on the water, the wind's still blowing, the storm is still raging, it's still dark, it's still scary. They were still in this situation. Now all of them probably a bit of an adrenaline rush because they thought it was a ghost and that hadn't settled down yet. But then Pete says, Jesus, I want to play. Can I come? Can I come? I want to come. Let me, 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 to me, let me. And Jesus, come on, let's do it. But Peter stepped out of that boat when the wind and the waves were still going crazy. And I, I, I've noticed that sometimes we want a miracle from God, but we want it our way. Hello. 
Jesus invited Peter to a miracle when the conditions were still really miserable. Still not pretty at all. And the point here is when Jesus says come, when he says do this or do that or go here or go there, we need to do it even if it's not easy. And we can't wait for the conditions to be just right according to our definition. We need to get out of the boat even if, and I hate this cliche, but it's a good one, if it means getting from the frying pan to the fire, we gotta get out of the boat. Remember, Jesus never promised it would be easy, but he always promised to be with us. Number four, here's the fourth thing. When you're taking risk of faith, keep your focus on Jesus. When you're taking those risks of faith, when you're that guy getting out of the boat, now can you imagine, wouldn't it have been cool, just for a second here, let's digress and say, wouldn't it have been cool if all 12 guys said, I wanna come. I mean, I, I, I'm just thinking in my mind, I have a very creative imagination, as you might be able to tell, but I'm thinking Peter gets out of the boat, and the guys are going, yeah, let's go, guys. And so, you know, I don't know who the last one would have been out. I'm thinking probably Judas, but they're all getting out of the boat. And now there's 12 guys out there with Jesus, you know, and they're just going, this is so cool. Woo-hoo, look at this, you know. And as the boat goes floating off in the storm. I mean, I'm thinking, wouldn't that have been awesome? But the only guy, I, what actually probably happened is they're all shaking their head at Peter. Here he goes again. Why does he always have to make us look bad? Oh, for heaven's sakes, Peter, you do think you're so special. <laughs> but Pete's out. And something, and I don't know whether it was, you know, a few seconds or a few minutes. We really don't know. But it says, verse 30, when he saw the wind. <laughs> Translation, when he figured out, oh my goodness, what am I doing It's still ugly out here. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I don't know how fast he sank. You know, I kind of, in my mind, I'm playing this in a slow-mo thing. You know, he's got like, I I think he's going down. I think he's like, he's going down. Gravity's kicked in and he's going down. And says, Lord, save me. And Jesus, again, here's the third time this word is used in this story. Don't miss it. Verse 31, immediately. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Few of us can throw any stones at Peter for doubt. Most of us have found ourselves in a place of a scary storm. And we've been terrified by the wind and the waves around us. Maybe we took a little risk. Maybe we took a big risk. And we're out. And now suddenly it's like, this is not turning out the way I thought it was going to turn out. And Jesus... I just love him. And I, by the way, uh, I'm quite certain that on Jesus' face, there was not an expression of anger. Now, I, this is me. It's not clearly taught. We don't really know. But knowing the character of Jesus and knowing how much he loved these guys, I don't think when he reached down and said, Peter, why did you doubt me? I don't think he's yelling. I don't think he's scowling. I don't think there's a mean, angry look on his face. I don't think he's like, you blithering idiot. How many times, Peter, take my hand. Why did you doubt me? I don't think that's what's happening here because it's not of the character of Jesus. I think he's smiling. I think Peter, come on. Okay, take my hand, man. Come on. It's gonna be, why did you have, why did you, why did you doubt me? Now, because, the reason I think he's smiling is because he's proud of Peter for taking a risk, for stepping out of the boat. But then he realizes that this is a great opportunity for Peter to learn a very, very important lesson. You need to keep your eyes fixed on me, not on the waves. Faith in God is never foolish. You can quote me. 
But faith always is spelled R-I-S-K. Now, how many of you just like, oh, that's just so nice to hear that? Faith in God, when you put it in him, is never foolish. It just isn't. And it's always, always, always. Go read the book. You'll see story after story after story, Old and New Testament, where you'll see that these people took a, a risk. It was always risky to follow Jesus, to do what he asked us to do. And sustainable faith requires focus. For us to live in that, to stay in that, to keep walking on the water, so to speak, means we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. I'm calling this series Hope Rising because that's what Jesus does. When we're in a situation that's bigger, badder, and uglier than we ever thought, and maybe we took a little bit of faith, maybe we took a big leap, maybe, maybe we st- stepped out of the boat, and we're trying to follow him, we're doing our best. I, I, most of you, I look around the room, most of you, I think you're like, Jesus, I'm, I'm doing the steps, I'm trying to, I'm doing my best I can, I'm really trying to, to follow you. We find ourselves in a situation where we feel like we're going under. And it's not going well. And it's not turned out the way we thought it was going to turn out. And we're sinking in fear and hopelessness. And when we find ourselves there, we need to do exactly what Peter did. We take the hand of Jesus. Can you imagine what Peter would say? No, no, Lord, it's good. I got this. I can swim. I'm a fisherman. No, it's fine. It's cool. (laughs) No. We do. Okay, Lord, you're right. I doubted you for a second. We need to reach out and take his hand. If you're afraid, right now, facing something bigger than you, I want to encourage you to listen. Listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit who is telling you exactly what Jesus said to the guys. Take courage. Take courage. Choose courage. Listen. If Jesus asks you to take a risk and he he invites you to get out of the boat, then come, go, follow him. And then when you do, do your best to keep your eyes on Jesus. But if you stumble and falter along the way, which a lot of us humans, we do, then just take hold of his hand because it's going to be okay. Remember Sarah, a young lady I told you about, 17 years old, pregnant, had decided to give her uh, little boy, found out it was a little boy, up for adoption. She named him Christopher, and she went through the pregnancy shunned by her friends, by her church, by her school, by her dad. Uh, really, her mom was the only one who continued to love on her and take care of her and offer her some support. But because she decided she was going to give the baby up for adoption, she, the, through a Christian agency, she had to go through some counseling. And I think it was the second appointment that Sarah had with the Christian counselor in the adop- adoption agency. The counselor asked her, Sarah, how you doing? And Sarah lied. Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. The truth is, Sarah had already had a plan for how she was going to kill herself, when, where, and how she was going to do it after the baby was born. So the counselor said, how you doing? Seeing, sensing that she wasn't probably doing very well, Sarah lied, said, I'm I'm good, it's all good. And then Sarah said, something happened in a moment that changed everything. She said, the counselor leaned forward. She put her hand on my, my knee and she looked me in the eye. She said, Sarah... I know you're struggling. I know this is hard. I know that right now you're in the midst of something you never expected and a storm that's just raging all around you. I know that you're discouraged and frustrated, but she said, I want you to know this. God's not done with you yet. It wasn't God's plan for you to get pregnant, Sarah, but God's not done with you yet. Just keep your eyes on him. 
And Sarah said, it was like Jesus was speaking to me through this counselor. As she looked in my eyes and said that word, those words, God's not done with me yet. Hang in there. Stay the course. It's going to be okay. She said, nothing in my circumstances changed. Not one thing in my life changed at that moment. All the friends that rejected me still rejected me. My dad was still angry. The church, I mean, everything. Nothing changed in her circumstances. But she said, but everything changed in my heart. At that moment, I believed. God's not done with me yet. He's got a plan for my life. Fast forward a few years. She finishes college. Ends up going to nursing school. Becomes a nurse. Wait for it. In an OB unit in a hospital. And here's the cool part. And I... (laughs) It's just like our God. Sarah would tell you dozens and dozens, maybe a hundred times, she's had the opportunity to tell a young mom, God's not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet either. And she tells them her story about how Jesus met her. Wow. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I don't know what storm my friends are facing right now. I don't know what they've been through, what they're going through, and I have no idea what they might go through tomorrow or next year. I don't know. But I do know this. I know, Jesus, that you said this world is challenging, that in this world we would have trouble, but you challenged us, you still challenge us to take heart, to take courage. Not because we're strong, but because you are. Not because we've got it all figured out, but because you're with us. And all we have to do is reach out and take your hand. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we went through that little exercise this morning of putting our hand on our face, that that whatever circumstance, whatever thing has been in the face of my friends this morning, that you would help them to see beyond that, that you would help them to see beyond the temporary. Because, Lord, no matter what we face, even I got a good friend right now, Jesus, he's going through cancer, and I've been so proud of him to see how he has looked beyond that and realized that that's not his, the end of his story. So God, encourage us, help us. Help us, Lord, this morning, right here, right now, to turn our eyes to you and to just reach up and to take your hand, Jesus, if we feel like we're sinking. Would you keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a minute? Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life's Christ follower. And you're thinking, you know, I know I need God. <laughs> Maybe you've come to the point where you've realized I can't do this life on my own. And maybe just during the worship this morning or during the message or during the, as I just talked about Jesus, that you thought, I want that, I need that, I need him. I want a relationship with the one who will never let me down, who will always hold me close. And if you're here today and you're ready to begin your life as Christ follower, then I'm going to pray a very simple prayer, but I'm going to ask you just to make this prayer yours. Make this your choice right now. Choose him because he's already chosen you. Make this prayer yours. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I have made a mess of my life. And I've tried everything else but you. So right here, right now, I'm surrendering. I surrender my past, my present, even my future. It's all yours. I surrender to you. I embrace what you did for me on that cross. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you live for me. And I believe that right now, you want me to walk with you from here into eternity. So I choose you as you have already chosen me. I choose you. 
I surrender my life to you. Now, if that's you, you know, I'll wait to see, yeah, God, that's my heart, that's my desire. In that moment you say yes to him, you become his child forever. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. One, one more question. Maybe you're here today, and you've already made a decision. You've been walking with Jesus for a while, but you have been underwater or sinking or going down fast, and you felt hopeless. And everybody's, please, just offer the privacy. Everybody's eyes closed right now, but would you just say, yeah, Pastor Kurt, that's me. I'm struggling right now. I'm, if that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Just say, just raise your hand. Say, yeah, that's me. Good. Say, yeah, I, I need to be rescued by Jesus right now. Jesus, for those that have said to you this morning that they are desperate for an encounter with you, would you meet them right here, right now, and do what you do. Holy Spirit, bring hope. And help them in this, minute, in this moment, in this situation that they're in right now, to turn their eyes to you. And to fix their eyes on you. To leave here today with more hope than they came in. Because if that happens, Lord, then that's a good thing in their hearts today. And so I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.